Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Todd Ryan Jones. Now, Mr. Jones has a fascinating hobby, a fascinating skill. Um, he is a professional strongman. Now, this world has two distinct different areas. The kind that you see on ESPN that are you know, moving boulders and picking up huge amounts of weights and look like the Incredible Hulk. That is competitive, strongman. That's different than what Todd does. He does something that I guess can only really be described as old-time strongman. This is the kind of strongman things that you see in Renaissance fairs, that you see in circuses, that are things like bending horseshoes and driving nails through boards and just things that wow audiences, not necessarily in a competitive nature, but in a showmanship nature. With Todd, we're going to talk about what got him interested in this. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the strongman world, about how strongmen used to not be in these sideshows and circuses. They used to actually be celebrities and hanging out with royalty. So we're going to talk kind of about that nature. We're going to talk about some of the amazing things that he has done, things that have gotten him in Ripley's Believe It or Not content, things that have given him Guinness World Records, things that only 200 people in history have been able to do that he's got himself on the record books for. This is just a fascinating conversation about a world that I didn't know much about. It's a small world, a small group of people that do the old-time strongman type uh, events and and uh, and shows. I I was so so happy to talk with Todd. Uh, he also is a professional stuntman. We've talked to a stuntman in the past. We're going to briefly touch on on what he does in in the stunt world. He is based on the East Coast and and is in a lot of TV shows. I talked to him fresh off a long day of filming uh, on Blue Bloods. He uh, was nice enough to join me the following morning. Pretty wore out, so I, I thank him for that. Uh, but uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Here is Todd Ryan Jones. I'm here today with Todd Ryan Jones. Mr. Jones, how are you? Hey, good. How's it going? I'm good. We're going to talk a lot about the world of old-time strongmen. I want to kind of differentiate between what that is and what you know the strongmen, the competitive strongmen competitions now uh, but before we get to that, just kind of tell us a little bit of the history of Strongman. I know it's kind of been a part of circuses and sideshows and all kinds of stuff for a, a, a long time. But just talk a little bit about the history, if you would. Sure. Um, it goes back, you know, obviously, if you want to go back to the real hardcore history, you can go all the way back pretty much through a recorded time and, you know, the Bible and Samson and all that Um mm-hmm. Strong men, strong people have always been revered throughout time, but uh, most a lot of my interests starts from pretty much the Victorian era when they had uh, music hall strong men and uh, guys like uh, Eugene Sandow, who was uh, have you ever heard that name before? 
I haven't, no. One, he, he was basically the first actual bodybuilder. He was insanely strong, but he was the first guy that was really ripped and jacked and used to tour around uh, actually showing off his body for aesthetic purposes. Mm. Uh, the statue of the Mr. Olympia competition is a statue of uh, Sandow. Mm. That puts it in the context at all. So uh, during that era, anyway, the top strength athletes were rock stars. I mean, they were you know as famous as any of the most famous people we have today and they would hang out with royalty and it was like that so they weren't uh you know they weren't these goons that just you know meathead goons and stuff they were treated like like uh any other celebrity um and that always kind of fascinated me these guys that would you know just do this wacky stuff had that kind of social status and then uh it just kind of uh, seemed like it veered off as the 1900s came around and it just kind of lost popularity and started getting into somewhat of a more of a sideshow kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I love. Um, I don't use that as a as a you know derogatory word whatsoever. I love that stuff. But uh, yeah, it just kind of lost its status for some reason. And then nowadays... I hope I'm not answering all of your questions too quickly uh, nowadays. Yeah. So uh, that the sports strongman, like the world's strongest man came around in the, uh, I guess in the eighties started gaining popularity in the nineties and now it is what it is. And so most people, almost anybody you talk to, you say strong man, that's what they're going to think of. And, you know, I, they obviously, so that's the most popular thing, but um yeah, it's uh, sports strongman, and what you said, old time strongman, is pretty different. Even though it uh, it all stems from the same place, and there's still quite a bit of crossover. Um, it's kind of like martial arts. Like martial arts all started from pretty much the same thing, and then mm-hmm. different styles. You know, you you branch off into different styles that emphasize this and emphasize that. And jujitsu and judo are a good example. Judo used to be jujitsu, and it started emphasizing different things. And hope hope that was a uh, somewhat articulate. No, that that was great. You don't have to worry about answering my questions too quickly. It makes my job easier if if you just answer them all. So, I I wondered. Let's say somebody's standing in front of you. We've got an old time strongman. We've got a competitive strongman in in today's sense. Mm. How is it different? What 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 are they doing differently? pretty easy uh the competitive sports strongman guys can move way more like i'm an old-time strongman these guys can lift way more weight than i can you know any kind of deadlift over you know just sheer lifting weight off the ground they that's that's their deal they can lift the most weight and uh so there's no question there an old time strongman, the kind of stuff that I do and my coach does and the circles I run in, it's more of uh, a lot of differences. It's more, it's not about how much weight you can, you, you can use, obviously you can do uh, weightlifting feats, which are still awesome. Um, the kind of stuff I do is like bending steel, breaking chains, opening horseshoes and, you know, just kind of uh, exhibition stuff like that, that uh, although it's not lifting the most weight you can possibly weight, it's still, it's cool to watch because most people and can't do that stuff. So it's, 
it's a it's an exhibition art form if you will you put a lot of uh you, you know you turn it into a turn it into an art form you don't just stand there and go oh, you make it interesting and you know make a show out of it right yeah and this is something i wouldn't necessarily normally comment on but i've seen you talk about it in other interviews and i know it's kind of part of your public speaking too and that's kind of doing things that you know, beyond what you think is possible or what people yeah. think is possible of you. And I feel like maybe the difference, one of the differences probably too, I mean, you, you look like a very fit guy, but you don't look like the incredible Hulk either. Right. So I feel like that, uh, that's probably a difference too. the, the competitive strongman, is it safe to say they normally look, uh, I guess a little bit more menacing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh that's another thing. Uh, it's, it's a very, very different style of training and it's not based on getting as huge i mean you those those guys have to be that size to move the kinds of weights let's just you know that's right. just how it goes but uh there's very different kinds of training and uh when you're training to do the stuff that i do bending steel and all that it's largely isometric as opposed to lifting weights you're basically taking something that you can't yet move and you know, this is a very nutshell way of explaining it, but you take something that you can't yet move and basically try to move it as hard as you freaking can every day, all day until the thing moves. And you would be surprised what the human body is capable of when you just ignore like, oh, I can't do that. And you try it anyway. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, for, for sure. I want to know how how did you get involved in all of this? So, uh, have you ever heard of a guy named Pavel Satsalin? I might be butchering his name. He's a Russian guy. I, I don't believe so. Okay. So, you know what a kettlebell is, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, even though kettlebells are really old, they didn't start getting popular again until the uh, late 90s. So, Pavel Satsalin was basically the face of the resurgence of the kettlebell. Hmm. Um, he's a renowned strength coach. And uh, he has lots of awesome training manuals. So I used to read the training manuals and in all of his men, he's a, he's another example of, he's not a big hulking guy, but he's really, really strong. So most of his training manuals are based on how strong you can get without necessarily getting all big and huge. Mm -hmm. So in, in pretty much all of his books, he he would reference these old-time strongmen from like the late 1800s, 1900s. And these guys were like, most of them no bigger than I am, but they're doing these mind-blowing bending steel bars and ripping horseshoes open and, you know, ramming nails through boards with their hands. I was like, whoa, you know, how are those guys training and where can I learn it? So that's... That's where it all started, and uh, it hooked me, and um, it took me a long, you know, I tried to do, I tried to train myself and f found whatever materials I could, some really old, dusty manuals and all kinds of stuff, and didn't get too far on my own, but the interest never left, so I always uh, followed it, and then, you know, by that time, social media had come around, and I started getting connected with more with that world and eventually found my coach. He's a guy named Chris Ryder, one of the best guys in the world at that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, he started coaching me and that's, that's how I got into it.
Now mm-hmm. I can do all these all these things that I used to read about and be like, wow, I can't believe people can do that. I say yeah. with modesty and unbelie- un you know blows my own mind that I can do this stuff now, but it's true. And it's not me. It's like people can do that. You just like we just mentioned earlier, you don't might not think you can, but be surprised at what you can do when you uh, just try, you know? Right. Yeah. I, w- I was going to say that if, if you didn't mention it, where you were talking about how crazy it was, people can bend these horseshoes and put nails through boards. I I've watched videos of you doing all of that. So that's really, really awesome for sure. I wondered too, you know, we, we talked about the history of, of strong men. We talked about how, you know, they were revered back in Victorian times. They were, with nobility and, and all that kind of stuff. And then it kind of shifted to circuses and sideshows and that kind of thing. And now that's circuses and sideshows are kind of going away too. So my question is, where does this strongman thing, where does it fit in today's society? Where do you see it, it going? Um, Where do I see it going? Or where no. it's at now too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I personally, I don't think it is going away just because mm-hmm. I'm interested in that stuff. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I seek it out and there's a lot to be found, especially now circuses now are different. Like Ringling just came back mm-hmm. and a lot of people are up in arms about, uh, about the show because they don't use animals anymore. And everyone, bruh like yeah but we still get a circus show like that's awesome and Mm -hmm. i've seen a whole bunch of circus shows with zero animals and they're absolutely amazing so Mm -hmm. you know human beings can uh definitely keep that tradition alive the uh sport strongman is as popular as it ever was i would i hope i would hope that it becomes more of a mainstream thing like uh you know any other sport but uh, that seems to be slowly but surely gaining popularity, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where I really see it. All I know is that uh, there are definitely people still keeping it alive. So mm-hmm. I just try to be, try to be one of the torchbearers that you know keep it alive and make people aware of all these absolutely mind blowing individuals from the past that people might not have heard of but probably should yeah no absolutely yeah as soon as i asked that question i thought of two things one i have been to the new ringling circus it came through came through my my town it was amazing you definitely don't need need any animals so i i thought that was awesome and i feel like that thinking about it now the way that circuses are going and not having animals and having more you know, human acts that just provides more opportunities for things like you're doing. So that's, that's awesome for sure. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is just like you were mentioning, you know, you're in this world, so you don't, you know, you don't see that it's, it's dying at all. Same way with me, you know, I, w- one thing that I'm really interested in is like board games, that kind of thing. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, when I tell people, they're like, Oh, I, I feel like no one plays board games anymore. Well, go to these conventions that I go to that have 70, 80, 100,000 people and tell me that it's not, you know, not popular anymore. So it's just all in the niches that you're in. So you're totally. saying there's a, there's, I mean, there's a huge, I assume there's a huge community doing what you're doing. Uh, no, I wouldn't okay. say it's a huge community. Okay. No, it's actually pretty small. That's, yeah. that's, but in a way that's cool because yeah. you pretty much know everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, when you, when you see, 
some guy say from Russia or something that you never heard of doing some kind of gnarly thing that you've actually never seen makes it really exciting. But no, it's, it's a pretty small, especially if you're talking about the old time, like the stuff that I do specifically, mm -hmm. it's a really small community. Yeah. Gotcha. I got you. So I want to now talk about some of the things that you've, that you've done and some of, I guess the accolades that you you've gained from it. One is, I know that you had a, a feature in Ripley's Believe It or Not on your website. I see like the little, you know, the drawing. Talk about what exactly that was. That was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a bucket list goal of mine. Um, mm -hmm. So I, Ripley's Believe It or Not, one of the most famous publications in the world. It actually started as that cartoon that's still running today. That was uh, Robert Ripley's you know, just do a little one shot, believe it or not, you know, mm -hmm. type of thing. Grew up reading it in the paper is always one of my fam favorite uh, comics and, you know, the Sunday, Sunday comics and stuff. And uh, actually for a while, the artist was a friend of my brother's. He was a guy named John Graziano for mm -hmm. the last he only recently retired from the job, but I just missed my brother's friend. I finally got into Ripley's mm. and I was, you know, mm. ugh, just seemed wrong that he wasn't the one to draw it. But anyway, just lifelong fan of it. Um, I think Robert always thought Robert Ripley himself was just a fascinating guy. I like old stuff. I don't know. I'm just an old mm. soul. So mm -hmm. that just uh, always loved Ripley's Believe It or Not. And um a lot of the guys in my circles that that do what I do have been featured in the Ripley's cartoons. I was like, I want to be in the Ripley's feet. So um, finally got to a point in my skills that uh, I thought of something that would be worthy of doing and made it a point to reach out. My coach, Chris Ryder, is actually – one of the faces of Ripley's Believe It or Not, he tours around with them, and uh, mm. you know when they're at, whenever they're doing uh, demonstrations and stuff, he's one of the one of the people you will see. So he had connections. He hooked me up, and I was like, "This is what I want to do," and they were like, "Yes, let's do that." So uh, I was also besides that cartoon, I'm supposed to be in one of their books. Not a hundred percent sure if that's still happening. I hope it does, but yeah, that's that's basically how it uh, came up. So trying not to mash too many things together. But as far as I know, I am the only living stuntman, professional stuntman, and strongman. As far as I know, I'm the only one alive today. So I was like, okay, what can I do that literally nobody else has done before? And I thought of something. And that something was breaking out of two separate chains, one wrapped around my chest, one wrapped around my arms, bang, bang, and then ramming a nail through a board with my hand, all while I was on fire from head to toe. Hmm. So I was like, hey, Ripley's, what if I did this? And they were like, that would be awesome. Cool. Yeah. Can, I, can we do this? <laughs> yes. So that's how that happened. That's, that's amazing. And I want, I want to get to, you know, the, the Guinness thing here in a minute too. I know kind of how that works a lot of times, how with Ripley's, do you have to have somebody come and witness you do this? You send a video or what's that look like? Uh, yeah, I sent them a video. Yeah. And, uh, it's similar to, um, um, the Guinness 
process but you know with guinness you're actually you know this is a recognized you know world record so it's way more meticulous and you need witnesses and stuff like that but now the uh the video sufficed for um for ripley's believe it or not because yeah. there, there's no official record it's just like hey this guy did this you know the thing i always wonder when i see those those ripley's comics like you're talking about is it's normally always kind of a, a split screen there's one there's two records or two things on on those comics and i always wonder first how they pair them together and i would always just I, it would stink to like have your big moment to be on there and then the other one that's on there is just something like so goofy or something you know like you just did all that and the other one is like somebody ate 75 cupcakes at once or something yeah. i just <laughs> i wonder how they uh how they make sure they pair them together to, to not uh, make one person like, uh, well, I wish it was something else. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question. I have no idea. There's probably something like that on the one I did. I don't remember what the other ones were. I don't remember either. I know I don't think it was anything too crazy. Or I probably would have noted it, but so you we we just mentioned Guinness. Not to be outdone with your Ripley saying you also have a a Guinness record that you're in the book. Talk mm -hmm. about what that was. Uh, that was for harding the most horseshoes in one minute. I actually have one here. So that, that, that used to be in a regular old horseshoe. So harding a horseshoe is when, you know, a lot of people see a, a strong man bend a horseshoe. So harding it is simply you keep going with the bend until you bend it into this kind of heart shape like you see there. Mm -hmm. and uh i got the record for them doing the most of those in one minute which i plan on beating at some point because i know i can but um it's very it's it's an arduous uh task to undertake and you had to train for it and get the whole set up with the official judges and you know all that kind of stuff so hopefully someday i'll i'll, I'll make that a priority no, that's that's amazing for sure. And I just one one last thing when it comes to some of those records. This is the one I understand the least. I know Guinness, I know Ripley's, but you're and there's you know thousands upon thousands of people that have Guinness records and Ripley's, but you are among, I believe it's two hundred people that's done. What is this red nail thing? I, I don't understand oh, yeah. that one too much. Yeah, uh, the Iron. There's a company called Iron Mind. They make. Uh, a lot of uh, strongman and strength training equipment. They sponsor a, a lot of athletes that uh, compete in the world's strongest man competition. They make really great products. Yeah, they have this thing called the the uh, the red nail, which is a seven inch long iron uh, steel bar. It's made of cold rolled steel, which is way 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 tougher than hot rolled steel. So it's like the hardest steel you can get seven inch long bar. I forget the exact measurements of it as far as the thickness yeah. and stuff, but uh, yeah. And you have to bend it under, you have to bend the ends within two inches of each other using these specific wraps made by the iron mine company. So you can't cheat and the wraps are, they, they, they make it pretty difficult. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, it came out in the 90s, that uh, that challenge. And since the 90s, still to this day, less than 200 people in the entire world have done it. And uh, 
props to my coach. Like that was kind of one. I, I used to read about that before I could do any of this stuff. I would read about the red nail. I'm like, oh man, that would be, that would be cool to be able to do that. Be recognized as the red nail bender. But it was like, at the time it was this pipe dream. Cause you know, it was so insanely hard. And yeah, I trained with, started training with my, my coach, Chris Ryder. And he took me from zero to, I was smashing several red nails just for a warm up when we were training to do it. And mm. yeah, you have up to a minute to complete the bend. And, uh, I have my video. It was, uh, my, my personal record, I think was just over seven seconds. And I got like 10 seconds on, on my official certification. So it wasn't, wasn't quite my, my best, but it was still, I was happy with it. So that's what that is. Yeah. It's a, it's a steel bar that 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 amount of people have been able to bend under official rules yeah and watching that video i feel like whoever's recording you to document it it, it makes sense what you're saying now that you, they give you a minute and you did it so quickly because that you know the, the person said come on keep going keep going they're like yeah you're in i feel like they were even impressed by how quickly you did it that's, that's what i feel like yeah. don't know I did it at uh, where I did it was an honor because it was at a guy named Steve Pulsanilla's Iron Sport Gym in outside of Philly, and he was a, a world's strongest man competitor. So he is that big old like dude is he's like the Hulk, and I uh, got to do it at his gym and you know have it. It's just cool to have it officially recognized by someone from that yeah. stature with that status and everything. Yeah, even though so, there's there can be different, right, right, and I wonder with that you because we talked earlier about the you know the differences between the the two worlds and you know the competitive or these hawk big hawking guys that's not always the case with old timey, you know, and and that obviously means your 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 discipline probably you're not able to do the things they're doing as far as moving as much as they're doing. What about the other way around? These people that are that strong, are they able to do what you're doing? Or, or is, I mean, that I feel like that takes in totally different scale as well. So it, it absolutely does. That's a good question. And yeah, no, it's pretty much the exact same thing. Like a good example is two of the strongest guys in the world right now, bar none. Uh, two of the most famous is a guy named Brian Shaw and Eddie Hall. I don't know if you ever heard of those guys, but they're two of the most famous uh, sports strongman competitors right now. And they will do, I mean, I've seen it myself, but if, if any of the listeners want to go check it out, they do reaction videos to various different, you know, mm. uh, you know, all kinds of different stuff generally with, you know, in the gym and sh strength training world, but they have watched. What I like about them is they're the two strongest dudes in the world. So they have absolutely nothing to prove, you know, no ego. So they can watch videos of the stuff like that I do and my coach does and just give a, an entertained, genuine response like, oh, wow, you know, because they don't they don't feel threatened by anything and they can just enjoy it for what it is. Mm. So, yeah, they do a lot of these response videos. And they've watched all of my coach's stuff, which is all the same stuff that I he can do it better. Don't get me wrong, but same stuff that I do. And uh, two of the strongest dudes in the world will just sit there and watch my coach doing 
all the different stuff and they're like, whoa, and, you know, genuinely impressed. So, yeah, no, I have personally witnessed that it totally goes both ways. I can't lift what they can lift, but usually, no, they can't. They can't really, uh, not to say they couldn't if they trained at it, you know, and and did that anybody could, in my opinion. But, yeah, you're, you're right. It's They can't, seems like they... Both ways, I can't lift what they can lift, but they can't do the things that I can do. Pretty yeah, interesting. For sure. Yeah, and that kind of brings you up into the next question when it comes to this. And this is, you can answer this however you want. It gets a little bit touchy because I've I've interviewed pretty much anyone that's going to be at a, uh, at a sideshow, at a renaissance fair. I've interviewed contortionists. I've interviewed magicians. I've interviewed people that are do these bull whip things, all kinds of different things. And I just wonder, when it comes to this type of thing, how much of it is tricks? How much of it is skill? How much of it is just pure strength? I mean, you were talking earlier, you are talking about these people could, these strong men, uh, the competitive ones could probably do it, maybe if they trained. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wonder what exactly that looks like. Is it is it more just pure strength? Is it more learning the skills behind it. I don't feel like there's any trick behind it, but, but just, just uh, answer that if you would. Sure. Uh, I, I like to be as transparent as possible. So people uh, don't think we're a bunch of phonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I would say it depends who you're watching. Mm-hmm. Like if you're watching a strong man or a strong woman or whoever, it, it really depends on who's doing it and who's, who's comfortable uh, faking stuff or not. The way I was taught was you will be banned if you try to fake anything at all. Like you do not do that. That is like really bad in in my little circles. There there are things though that you know it's some some of it is physics. Um, it depends. You know, once you get a, a base and you want to expand your repertoire and add this and add that, and you know, you might throw in a, a thing here and there that's more show than not. Mm-hmm. But uh, in my circles, the way I was taught, you do not fake things. That is that is horrible, and that's you know, you you are looked at like a phony, and you should not be representing the community in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, can't think of any specific examples but i can tell you like any kind of steel bending you're bending steel like that is the most legit thing you can pretty much do and uh that's uh that's a real sign of strength and it that carries over into actual strength training is you know you can when you're uh doing things like that there is a way uh one of the big questions is i'm one of the few guys in the world who still tears phone books mostly because phone books, those big old school fat phone books are so, you know, they don't make them anymore. So I just happen to have the one connection of the guy in the world that still has phone books. So a lot of the, that, that one, that's a good example. There's a trick you can do with phone books that most people, people that know me know that I'm telling the truth. But if you don't know me and I'm like, oh, and they see me doing the videos like, oh, yeah, it's a trick. You know, my dad showed me that when I was five years old. There's there's a trick to that. And there's a legit way. If somebody's going to do the phone book trick, if I had known I was going to get into the topic, I would have brought one up so I could demonstrate. There's a, It's called the popping technique. 
and they're going to grab it from the top and they squish the middle down into a V and then basically they separate the pages so that they're actually ripping one page at a time. Hmm. So uh, if you ever see a guy ripping a phone book and he's pulling it apart from the top of the phone book, he's probably using the popping technique, which is a trick. Hmm. Now, the way I was taught is legit phone book tearing and you grab the thing and you rip it in half. Hmm. And, uh, you can see me doing it. You can also look up uh, my coach, Chris Ryder. He calls himself Hercules. And uh, he's like, he can he can do it in his sleep. He's so strong at that. He, so uh, he, he actually does it so easily that people, a lot of people think he's faking it because he can just do it so mm. easily. But mm. he is not. Mm. And uh, if you listen to the, the, what I just said and pay attention to what he's doing, it's it's pretty pretty different if you know what you're looking at. I I feel like you you talked about how on your end of things that faking it is is a very bad thing and you know you're going to get kind of kicked out of your circle. Given you're talking about all these tricks that are potentially available with certain things, that really probably hurts the the sport. Given that now there's a lot of people out there that think it's all just you know is a trick. So. You know, you can do the phone book in the right way and not the trick. Does that make does that make showing this phone book thing to other people as fun when you th half the people think, hey, it's uh, it's a trick. I know the trick. I, I don't know. I feel like that would dampen some of the amazingness of it all. It uh, online because everyone in the world, if you're showing a video online, uh -huh. that you know you can run into that but no you would be surprised and i'm still surprised because that's how i would think it it's like oh everybody just thinks i'm going to be doing a trick no you'd be really surprised especially if i'm doing it right in front of you mm -hmm. that's still even with little kids who don't necessarily know what a phone book is anymore which mm -hmm. is part of it you got to uh a lot of your materials and feats that you're doing should be something that people can relate to. So it's like they know how hard it is. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 pleasantly surprising how much of a response it gets, even with little kids who don't never seen a phone book before. And you bust one out and you explain what it is and you rip it. No, it's still it's not supposed to be one of my showstoppers, but a lot of the times people are like whoa and uh, it's still it still has that really good effect and also i often do what i just did and i will explain it to you like if i'm gonna do it i'm like look here there is a trick here's probably what they're gonna do if they're faking it and then i'm like okay so now watch closely and tell me if i'm doing the trick or not and hmm. i'll do it the real way that's usually how i present it no, I, I love that. And I want to kind of move into some of the other things that, that you've done and, and your your public speaking in a moment. But my last question with the strongman type thing is you're talking about how when you're presenting it in front of kids or all these other things, when you're doing these things, do, do you have like shows? Are you you know putting on shows? Where where is where can we see Todd do these things? Um, the public speaking, I'm not as active in right now. Cause as I said, I'm a stuntman and we just got through the, uh, longest 
strike in Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything is, we're getting back to the grind and playing catch up on a lot of things. So I'm very busy, but um, usually when I'm doing them, it's at, you know, schools and uh, uh, business meetings and, you know, some usually that kind of environment. I got you. But uh, you can go if anybody wants to book me. I might. You can go on my website, the Strongman Todd Jones, and uh, you can do everything through there. I am extremely busy at the moment, so not my schedule is uh, pretty crazy, and not a whole lot of time to do that right this second. But if anybody wants to see me, that's that's how it can be done. I gotcha. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your. Uh, it sounds like maybe your your full-time work, and that is uh, in stunt things in, in movies. I'll tell you now, I had a stuntman on, uh, it was about a year ago, so you know we spent an hour talking about it, so I know a little bit about the business, so I just want you to tell us some of the things that you specialize in in that world, and then maybe some things that you've, you've been in. Uh, sure. Uh, for, I'm curious, who was the stuntman you had on? I knew you were going to ask me that. While you're answering it, let me look it up, and then I will, I'll tell you at the end. Okay, right? cool. Uh, what, what did you specifically want to know stuff I've been in? Yeah. And then, you know, he's, he specialized in like sports movies and Mm -hmm. doing football and basketball. And then he also was starting to learn, um, like motorcycle things. I just wonder if you have a specialization. Yeah, no, not really. Um, what I usually work in is TV as opposed to movies. I do get movies from time to time, but it's almost always, television i was actually working on blue bloods yesterday and i'm Hmm. completely exhausted right now i hope that's not coming across i didn't want to cancel on you it was yesterday was brutal anyway um yeah it was uh it's mostly television uh pretty much everything that they film on the east coast primarily in uh, new york and uh, that kind of area the tri-state area out there so i don't personally really specialize in anything um it's mostly the needs for those the kinds of shows that they film out of new york a lot of crime shows a lot of police procedurals and you know stuff like that so bad guy cop stuff swat stuff you know mostly that kind of stuff getting beat up and that kind of thing so are you most do do you mostly do things like you're a you know, a stunt double for somebody or you're like a, a background actor or, you know, a police officer that is, you know, doing all the crazy stuff. I know there's two different worlds there, too. Yeah, both. Yeah, definitely. A background actor is very, very different mm-hmm. on in, uh, in that world. But yeah, uh, both pretty, pretty much half and half double guy one day and then you'll be a they call it, it probably what you meant. They call it an ND nondescript guy you're just some dude yeah in the crowd that happened accidentally gets shot by the bad guy or whatever you know right. stuff like that right. yeah it's a it's a mix of both yeah this the stunt man that i interviewed he wrote a book about it too was kevin cassidy mm, i'm not familiar with him i believe he he's in los angeles i think he's been doing it for a while i think he's actually starting to he wrote a book and now he's starting to public speak i think he's moving a little bit out of it because i i think that he's uh maybe getting a little bit older but i i don't i'm not sure gotcha yeah. yeah, it's understandable. It hurts. You yeah. start getting older and you're like, man, what else What else can do? I myself actually started writing, just wrote a, a screen, my f- very first screenplay 
which has uh -huh. been doing well and there's a lot of activity going on around it so um, it's pretty exciting that is awesome i don't know i don't know where stage it's at do you want to talk any more about that or is it in is it in a nda stage <laughs> i don't want to talk too much about it but yeah. it's uh it's called the strongman surprise mm -hmm. surprise mm -hmm. it actually initially conceived of it a long time ago before covid and what the intention was to have it as a vehicle for me to star in one of the hooks being like all the all the feats that the strong man is doing are all real so i'd really be bending steel and breaking chains and all that stuff um that was a while ago i'm no longer interested in starring in it but i did want to you know start uh start that venture and see if that's a world that i can do something with in the in the writing world so so i did it and i completed it and took a serious stab at it and uh you know worked with a professional writer to get it to actual professional standards and been shopping it around lately and um as i'm shopping it around I'm not trying to sit back and wait for something to happen. So in the meantime, I've also put together a very strong team of other professionals, special effects guy and uh, another really well-known person in the stunt world. And so if nothing happens externally, we are going to try to make something of it with our little team. So one way or the other, it's seeming like uh, something's going to happen. But it's cool. I just, you know, I've been doing the, I guess, obligatory things that a screenwriter does and you you submit it to the various competitions and stuff. And I've won a few, much to my surprise. So it seem, seems like I might have something here. No, I love it. Fingers crossed. More to come with that for sure. Yeah. Um, I know that you said that you're not doing a, a ton of the public speaking thing. You're you're busy back in, in uh, you know, in shows because of the the strike kind of made everything happen right now so i just wonder though because i've heard you talk a little bit about you know these themes before when you are having this these public speaking engagements or even just to talk to the listeners now what's the themes that you uh that you cover uh perseverance private primarily perseverance above all else which i really seriously believe is the key to pretty much any goal you can think of mm -hmm. uh, perseverance and how to make whatever goal it is that you have, how to make things work for you specifically, as opposed to just following what somebody else did. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think that's extremely important. We all have these qualities and, you know, that we can really utilize that you might not think that, you can but you can everything every good quality you have you can you can use that and make the most of it so those are the two things that i really talk about perseverance over all else don't stop if you have a goal a real goal it's probably going to be difficult and that's why it's you view it as a worthwhile goal mm -hmm. and just I, I truly believe that just not stopping, even when it feels like you should and it feels like nothing's happening, that's totally normal. Don't stop. And I really think that that alone, perseverance, 
will get you somewhere that you wouldn't be if you, you know, gave up. Just doing that, nothing else, not stopping. Just, it's so incredibly important. I'm sensing the theme that I'm sure all the things you've accomplished is in, in the strongman world, all the things you've accomplished in, in the stuntman world probably took no perseverance, right? Yeah, exactly. Nothing, none whatsoever. Right. That's, that's pretty much my exact point. Like yeah. I, uh, by no means am I any kind of big shot, especially in the entertainment world, but I make a living. I'm just this regular guy. I never moved out to Hollywood or anything like that. And I make a living in a very small percentage of people that actually make a living doing what I'm doing. And it's, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not some special case or anything. The main reason is that I just didn't stop. Hmm. No, I, I love it. And I, I really appreciate your, your time today. I want you now just to kind of tell people if they want to follow along with you, they want to, you know, keep up with what's happening with you, maybe keep up with what's happening with this screenplay. How are they going to follow along? Oh my goodness. With the screenplay, that's a, that's a loaded question. Mike. Well, just, just, I'm, I'm just asking for whatever you want to want to plug. You don't have to worry about that if you don't want. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too, uh, too big on purposely making my social media presence known, but okay. At Todd Ryan Jones is a good way to follow me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. You can kind of embarrass to admit it, but you can find all my stuff on TikTok. I do go on there. It doesn't hasn't really done too much, but yeah, at Todd Ryan Jones is a good way to follow me. Um, if you want to get a good feel for what it is that I do as far as uh, public performances and stuff, you can go to the strongman toddjones.com. That'll show you pretty much anything you you want to see. And you could even get a hold of me through there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I really, really appreciate your time today. Likewise. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, yeah, it's an honor to be on. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So that was Todd Ryan Jones. Really, really appreciate his time. Learned so much. I had no idea about strongmen, period. Definitely didn't know there was these two different worlds. I, you know, thinking about it and and seeing these people in circuses and seeing them, you know, I guess historically we think of strong men that are, you know, in Barnum and Bailey and and stuff like that. I, I didn't think about how that's kind of a the same type of thing as the competitive strong men, but just doing it in a in a very different way, a very like I would say a more entertaining way, where one side is about accomplishing. A certain weight goal and competing versus others where this is a lot more about entertaining a crowd and and i uh, i urge you to uh to check out both of the worlds uh, of strong men i urge you to check out the the world of of old time strong men that uh, the todd is so passionate about I would, I would urge you to go check out his videos. He didn't necessarily want to uh, promote himself too much, but his videos are amazing on TikTok and on Facebook, and he's got an Instagram as well. All of the uh, links to his information will be in the show notes, and his website will be in the show notes. Check those out for sure. I think you'll be amazed 
uh, just by the videos, and I'm sure in person it, it's uh, even more captivating. So thank you, Todd, for being here. Thank you, listener, for being here. Uh, if this is your first time listening, go leave a five-star review on Apple and on Spotify. I appreciate that very much. Leave a written review on Apple. That's even more amazing. Uh, if you do nothing else, though, catch us next week because uh, another great guest then. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.